her presence on the court isn't changing the balance politically, but it's impossible to overstate. Welcome to Black And, a candid conversation about racism, white people, and ways to move forward. I'm Jonathan. And I'm April. We're brother and sister looking to discuss how race informs important issues, current events, and what white people looking to make a difference can do. John, what's going on? April, I think we have to talk about, you're going to be able to guess it for sure, because I've just been so excited. The Honorable Katandri Brown Jackson, now Justice Brown Jackson. Jonathan, I'm so excited that that's what you want to talk about because me too. I'm anxious to have this conversation. Eager, yes, but also anxious because same old, same old. This is what? She's the 162nd or first something justice, and she's the first one to look like me. It's so exciting, but it's also just, it's a gut punch, if I'm honest. Yeah, I mean, it's like, it's just, I was just so heartened to see other Black people, Black lawyers, especially Black woman lawyers, those folks talk about what it means to them as people to see this happening. And I'm, I'm, I am heartened to sort of see that a lot of people are saying, this is overdue. This is long overdue. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's like 100 and, what'd you say? I think it's like 106, she's 116th, I think, Supreme Court justice since the court's history. And she, yeah, this is the first time ever that it's a black woman who will be one of the nine. Yeah, and I think the, the, the obvious thing, but important thing still to note here, John, is that this whole, this whole time, all of these people have been white men. That's the norm. That's the baseline. We're considering the Supreme Court justices themselves and their position within the government. But in the back of our minds, it's this whole time. These are these are just white men for the duration. Wait, ra- racist, racist men. Like they yes. are like, yeah, <laughs> they exist. I mean, even like not knowing them, right? Like not knowing right. anything about them. There had never been a black person until Thurgood Marshall. And that was, this was the lawyer, the ACLU lawyer that argued Brown v. Board before the Supreme Court, who he was sort of later named to be a justice on. And then there wasn't a, a woman until Sandra Day O'Connor. John, can you... This is one of those rare times where I'm going to ask you to to put your, your nerd hat on. Usually you just around there, just doing it on your own. Um, I think it's important for folks to understand the uniqueness of this particular position of power. So can you talk about sort of the purpose of the Supreme Court and maybe even some like misconceptions or preconceived notions that folks have about the Supreme Court that aren't necessarily true or relevant these conversations. Yes, sure. So the Supreme Court is known as the highest court in the land. It is a body of nine people that rules on the hardest cases. They are picky about the cases that they choose because they only want cases where two other major jurisdictions disagree on something that is that they got to resolve or that relates to a fundamental issue 
that only a court at their level could decide. So about the presidency or about the presidential election, more commonly in everyday lives, states and localities make laws or regulations and lawsuits happen. And the losers of those lawsuits appeal them and they go up to the Supreme Court if they are an issue that is something that is going to have a bearing on our society or on our our legal sort of landscape. That's how our society sort of advances. There was a point where it was illegal for white and black people to sit in the same part of a train car. And there was a Supreme Court case that said that was fine for it to be illegal. Separate but equal is fine. That case is called Plessy v. Ferguson until the Supreme Court in another case unrelated to train cars, but related to schools in Brown v. Board said "Mm, separate but equal in a public sort of place accommodation like that actually isn't equal. Separate is inherently unequal. And so they overruled themselves and they make new law. They make a new way of life for people in the society. So you used to be able to discriminate against people when in your restaurant or in your, you know, bank, you know, mortgaging and lending to people. I'm focusing on race because that's the subject of this podcast, but the Supreme Court, they are experts in everything. They have to be because it's, there's only nine of them and any legal issue can ever can come to them. Something else to point out here is the just position and power that justices hold and how it's sort of all just assumed by us. The way the power of Supreme Court justice holds differs from that of a president. One of the things that makes the Supreme Court so special is where their power comes from, our judiciary generally in this country is sort of just predicated on the fact that we do what courts tell us to do and we respect an order from a court. It's literally called an order where the executive branch has a military and police and enforces the laws. The legislative branch has the power of the purse. They write the laws. They they fund the laws. Courts just have the fact that they're the courts and the fact that they are sort of to be revered. They don't have an enforcement mechanism other than they are the court. The limitations that they have are sort of few and far between. Supreme Court justices are appointed for life tenure. Now Justice Ketanji Pound-Jackson is a relatively young woman. She will be on the court for the rest of her life for this revered position that you can't really get fired from and that your word, your every word is lawmaking. It's a huge sort of glaring thing that you, April, have n- never seen anyone in the history of the Supreme Court, not one of them, it's a black woman until now. The law, the black lawyer in me, the black law student who uh, felt so out of place showing up in Charlottesville to University of Virginia Law School, the way that I felt like such an imposter, I still do when I go there. She talked about this, you know, she was talking about her time at, at Harvard Law School and describing a sort of similar experience of being completely feeling out of place and just like she is a total stranger and why on earth is she here, you know? And she talks about an encounter about where she passes another black woman crossing Harvard Yard and it's like, who knows, she's a student or a teacher or or whoever else this black woman is. 
it doesn't really matter, but they caught, they met eyes and this woman just sort of whispered to her, persevere. It was just a stunningly similar sort of example as a black person at one of these sort of quote unquote elite institutions. I just, I could go on and on and on about what this means to me. I'm very interested to hear what it means to you. Um, That's a sort of overview of the Supreme Court generally and why this is such a big deal. All right, John. Let's take a break, and when we come back, um, we'll dig into uh, we'll dig into this a little more. Okay, we're back. One of the things that's so exciting and important about. Katanji Brown Jackson is thinking about the experience that she brings to the conversation. So it, you know, it doesn't even matter what is what topic or question or law is being discussed or is on sort of the docket for the courts at the time. Her bringing the experience of a black woman to that conversation is a complete game changer. All of the previous conversations and decisions before she was there. We're, we're missing a big part of our society and, and the way it operates and the full intersection of race and gender. You know, it, it's not about her past or her, quote, politics, even though they're not supposed to have them, or her beliefs or whatever. It's about her lived experience. That is, it's not teachable, it's not learnable, and it's not replaceable. So it's just that that's it, it makes this so much more uh, powerful for not just black women, but for the United States, because our policies now as a whole are are will be more fully inspected and, and you know, uh, sort of criticized. And that should be exciting for everyone. And it's it's frustrating that it's not, but it's exciting that it's happening nonetheless. And I think about even just those conversations, like being in a room now with the other eight justices and having her voice there now in the room with them and having them, have it, they have to listen to her and she has to be heard now. Having that platform as a Black woman is vital, of course, but it's also just so exciting. And it's not to get corny, but it's that like, it's the thing that keeps you going as a Black woman because she's doing it with us and for us and because of all of us. And that sort of communal achievement is definitely felt, you know, around the Black woman community. And what was so wild to watch was she says, she said that, in her in the hearings, she she on multiple occasions on like speeches that she had given, like sort of accepting the nomination, and then in the hearing noted her blackness, her black womanness, and her African lineage and her African name, Katanji Brown Jackson, and all the different ways people were saying it. Like it was as if people were trying to mess her name up. They at, were at, for yeah, sure. Was, uh, they do that? It was so embarrassing. I they was did it with the vice president. They did it with the vice president, too. It's such a flippant form of disrespect that Mm -hmm. is like, even if it's not intentional, quote unquote, it is because you don't misspell people's like you just don't or mispronounce people's names like, you know, it now, you know, that it's you're saying it different than other people. So 
Right. And that's the thing. You know what? Let's talk about that on the next on, a, on another episode, because that's a whole nother conversation about white people shortening people's names or giving nicknames or changing people's names for their ease or for their convenience. Like, yeah. Anyway, continue. The justice's background is so stellar, but it is so different than what we've had, because what we've had has been mostly white men and mostly prosecutors mostly people who come from Ivy League families with generations of, you know, whose dads, dads, dads were lawyers. She it doesn't have that background. And she is she was a federal public defender and that she's one of, if not the first federal public defender be, turned Supreme Court justice, um, at least since Thurgood Marshall. And it hurt to be clear to listeners, like her being named, she's replacing a very liberal justice. And so her presence on the court isn't changing the makeup of the court in terms of the balance politically, but her presence is, it's impossible to overstate. I think something that can maybe sometimes frustrate white folks is the idea of black community, because it's not something that white people can experience in the same way. And it's it's so beautiful and it's so powerful um, and it's so you know comforting and familial um, and it's universal for black people. But it's also built out of a necessity and pain and strife, needing to rely on your people to make it. And so that's something that's definitely passed down with black people, but it also gives... It, it, it also builds a universal sense of community for Black people. That is also what is speaking to the moment for all Black people. And it's not about the individual. It, it just so happens that Ketanji Brown Jackson has a stellar record. And it's also necessary that she has a stellar record for her to, to, to be as successful as she is as a Black woman. But it's it's not about her as an individual necessarily. It's about it's about all of us. Yeah, that feeling of we have now arrived to the Supreme Court. <laughs> and I and I yeah, and I think that that's something that white people can't experience as a race, as a as a community. The difference between having a need being met versus never having the need in the first place. And you know what's wild about that, April? Is I so feel that what you're saying, and it is like beautifully said, her uniqueness though is like so black too. And I love that she has relatively dark skin. Her Mm -hmm. first name is Katanji Brown Jackson, which are the blackest last names ever. She has locked. She is just like a black nerd. This is something that black all black professionals deal with basically whitewashing ourselves in professional settings to be quote professional. So black hair, but black women's hair, especially it's a whole area of trauma for black women living in a, in this racist society because of the workplace, quote unquote, and what's appropriate, quote unquote, and professional. It was only, you know, the week before, and I think this was probably politically strategic, you know, Congress passed the law making it a federal crime employment related cannot fire someone because of their hair, specifically textured hair, specifically locked and protected long lasting hairstyles like that. It just is like the cherry on top that the first ever 
black woman Supreme Court justice is Katanji Brown Jackson with locks. And there she sits in that chair. And it, that is just something that is um, that is really, really moving um, for, you know, for someone who has had to shave his beard uh, to work at a law firm and had to deal with getting infections in my face because my hair on my face is not meant to be clean shaven. And that's a small, stupid example of me having to try to fit into this whatever it means to be professional in their mind. <laughs> This justice is just like zooming through them. And I think it's a good reminder to our listeners to remember the recency of these things. This we needed to pass legislation about hair discrimination because it's a problem in 2022. You know, like and it's so in 100 years, we're going to look back and say, you know, when, when this was passed, when you're when we're sort of able to meet the moment uh, as a country like you said, John, just it sort of just puts the, the icing on top for Katanji Brown Jackson to be able to show up as she is and in a way that now can't be again used as a barrier for other people. It's, it's history making. It's exciting. Yeah, it was. I was I heard a friend was telling a story about their young kid, like two years, three years old who has gone to exactly two weddings in their life already as a little baby. And this second wedding that they were at, they were like asking about the wedding dress. Like why, what is the, who's this person? Who's this, why is this person wearing this white long, you know, Oh, cause it's a dress. You get, this is the bride and you get married. And like, um, and the kid was like, well, like, you know, my friends, like, you know, two dads or uncle Bobby and you know uncle Tim or whatever didn't have it at didn't have a bride at their wedding like they were like confused because they had only ever been to a same-sex marriage um and so it's just like that's the goal that's what we want like and so that is that is there the kids need to kids need to be like wait there was a time when there were no there was no black women on the supreme court where fewer than half of the people in the supreme court were women and it just like I can't help but think when you say how recent it is having to have protections for locks, for example, federal protections for hairstyle for black people, Republicans in in the hearings and in interviews that were sort of surrounding that time have stated clearly that they want the Supreme Court case, for example, that decided same-sex marriage and the, you know, 19, what is it, 60s or 70s case that that legalized interracial marriage. They want those to be sent to the states to decide. They don't want the the Supreme Court to be able to have that role. And so Republicans are actively undoing the things that we are recently sort of remedying or have recently remedied um, in terms of interracial marriage, gay marriage, they, as we called it at the time, same-sex marriage. Um, so it is it is important symbolically, um, but it's also important, April, what you were saying earlier, like to have her in the room when these things are being decided now, because this will lead to lawsuits. These things will lead to you know outlawing, putting these trans, you know, don't say gay bills, anti-trans legislation, um, abortion access, cutting abortion access. Three or four states have gutted abortion access for folks who are pregnant. And now, you know, the Supreme Court is taking that up and we'll hear about it over the summer. We are going to hear 
here's my prediction, just how, to what extent, the Supreme Court is going to gut Roe v. Wade this summer in a, in a matter of months. And so, like, I know she doesn't change the balance of the court, but we need to start changing the people who are in the room when these things that Republicans are purposely injecting into our legal system to percolate up to the Supreme Court, um, the way that they did with the stand your ground law in Florida starting in 2005, those are now like all over the country. They're just injecting these things into these horrible bills into our state laws, knowing that they're going to rise up to a Supreme Court that is uh, been stolen by by Mitch McConnell and the, the Republicans. And so it is just the fact that when we get our shot to put someone in the Supreme Court, it's a black woman. It's like, phew, okay, at least that's taken care of. Okay, John, let's take one last break. And when we come back, I'll give folks um, our action item for this episode. Okay, we are back. April, what is our action item? So for this episode, um, and I think I think listeners might have some fun with this one, in honor of Queen Jackson. Right, like... Our action item for this episode is going to be learn about a Black woman, someone in your field of work, someone that you maybe learned about from someone else, and teach someone else about that person. Educate someone else about them. Spread the word. It can seem kind of silly, but normalizing white people, normalizing black people changes culture. And so, you know, the 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 more that white people can sort of take the lead in celebrating black people and normalizing black success, because it's there, we just don't, we're not exposed to it. The more we can normalize that within uh, the quote white community, that's, that's how we change culture. And that's how we, yeah, so... Have some fun. Learn about someone, research a Black woman, and then tell someone else about them. Black In was produced by me, April Perkins. Our theme music is by Fifth Child. You can find more of their music at fifthchildmusic.com. That's the number five, fifthchildmusic.com. Black And is available wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen. And be sure to share with your friends. Until next time, be humble, be vigilant, and and keep keep asking asking questions. questions. I'll talk to you later. See ya. Bye. Like, cool.